Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. Good to see all of you here today. Bless you in Jesus' name. Why did, uh, why did Jonah not trust the ocean? He, he knew something was fishy about it. And with that, let's be dismissed today. God bless you. Uh, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians. Now, we're also going to have scriptures on the screen today. This, this, the, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I have pulled this, these two verses from the Amplified Version of the Bible, uh, more specifically the, the 2015 version. It's a little more condensed than the, than the Amplified. I like the Amplified to use it in studying and, and parallel uh, study. But this one was a little bit more succinct, this version of it. So we're going we're gonna, to, this is our launching pad uh, for this series that we started last week called Our God of Abundance. And um, we're going to look here and then we'll get into some new things today. But I, I, I want to touch base on this scripture and then give you just a little bit of review of what we talked about last week so you can know where we're going. Everybody good? Yeah. Can we all just read this? Can we just read this out loud together? Are you ready? Read. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, now I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this moment where we are about to hear the word. Lord, we prepare our hearts now to receive it, to go deep into the soil of our life, and that it will produce a harvest of some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. We thank you now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. God, I thank you for that to be upon your people now. That you would illuminate their hearts. Lord, that revelation would come from the word and it would, faith would come at the hearing. And that faith, Lord, would produce in them the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That they would not grow weary while doing good, that they would not look at the things that are seen, but Lord, they would remember we look at things that are not seen. The things that are invisible, things that are not seen are eternal. We look to the Word, the everlasting Word of God. That's what we believe. And that takes us to a higher place where God's ways are higher and His thoughts are higher. Father, thank You right now that You've called this people out of darkness and into Your marvelous light. And Lord, I pray now for these next few minutes that, Lord, we will truly receive this word, understand the word, believe the word, and therefore live in the manifestation of your promise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Our God of abundance. Now, in these two verses we see, it says, to him be glory in the church. It sets God up first, telling us what he's able to do. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Uh, and the Amplified shows it up in, in a grander way, a greater, beyond our greatest prayers and hopes and dreams, super abundantly. It's really 
Uh, it's the best word that they could give here. It's, it's beyond measure is what it really means, super abundantly, beyond measure. And God is able. Why is God telling us? Why is God introducing himself to us in this way? Why does the scripture tell us God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think? My family, it's so that we will ask for it. It's so that we will believe for it because God is going to be glorified in his church. And he's glorified when God's people express that partnership by faith in him and he unloads on them what is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. That way the world can only look at us and say, only God can do that. That's beyond human ability. That's beyond your education. That's beyond what you've always known. God is at work in your life. You know, I, I want that testimony continually like the disciples had in, in, in uh, Acts, Acts chapter 4. It says that, that they looked at Peter, James, and John, and it says, and they realized that they, they, they saw that they were uneducated men. And they saw them speaking these words of wisdom. And it says, and they realized they had been with Jesus. What a great testimony. That I am where I am and I am who I am and I say what I say because I've been with him. He has completely impacted my life and taken over. I don't want to say what he doesn't say. I don't want to act how he doesn't act. I don't want to think how he doesn't think. The scripture says we have the mind of Christ. Amen. And so we have this opportunity to receive God's ability to do what's far beyond what we could ask or think, and in that, he gets the glory. That's why it is an absolute shame that any Christian should pray menial prayers, small, little, insignificant, religious ugh, kind of prayers. Well, Lord, we don't ask for much. Just want our needs met. Hey, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Why are you praying like that? If you just want your needs met, just go get a job. You can take care of that. Amen. But he wants to be glorified. And he will be glorified. And we just have to decide that we're going to let him be glorified in us. And shine all that religious stuff. You know, religion has taught me one thing. It's stupid, and it's dead, and it produces nothing good. You know, what I found when, growing up, and part of my upbringing was in, in some pretty hardcore stuff. You know, the women didn't wear makeup, and they wore the skirts all the way down to the basement, and uh, <laughs> never cut their hair, and they had it all up in a bun, and, 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 you know, we had some wild times, and I do appreciate, I do appreciate a lot of those wild times in the Holy Spirit. But I learned something that zeal and passion isn't everything to the Christian experience. God is a God of passion and power and fire, but he's also a God of order. And I don't understand why, you know, there are so many extremes in that way. Some are all about the, ah, the crazier, the wilder, the crazier it gets. So, okay. And then this other side is only structure. But God is in both. He wants us to be zealous. He wants us to be passionate. But he also wants yeah. us to have knowledge and understanding. That's why we lo I love the Apostle Paul. He keeps taking us back to it. But what does the Scripture say? What does the Scripture yeah. say? I'm determined I'm going to live by what it says and have Bible experience. Yeah. 
Why was I talking about that? I don't remember what. I, oh, yeah. But I, I remember, and, and really every, every kind of denomination or whatever, anything that is man-made and, and becomes man-made over time, I think a lot of them started as a move of God and then became something opposite. Men began to reason things out. Instead of preaching, they started reasoning. Putting their own thinking and their own philosophy and adapting the world philosophy in it. Yeah. And, but I found one, one message that, keep, that kept coming to me from a religious mindset, and that is something's wrong with you all the time, and you need to fix it. And so I never felt, growing up, I, I, I had a hard time feeling like I was fully accepted by God. Until I did something. And that's not what the scripture teaches us at all. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did he not show us that he had fully accepted us when he became a man? The fact that God became a man showed us from the very beginning that God is on our side. That's, when, that's why when, when Christ was born, that the angels couldn't contain it. They came out there to those shepherds, those good-for-nothing shepherds out in the field. They didn't show up at church to make the announcement. They didn't show up to the religious leaders. They showed up to the hard-working shepherds out there and said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Yeah. This is God's message, goodwill toward men. Goodwill toward God has goodwill toward us. Peace on earth. And the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God accepted you long before you believed on him. While you were dead in your trespasses, Christ made you alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Thank you, Jesus. I love this God of abundance. You know what, grace, yes, it is undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. But the grace of God is really God giving you what he wants to give you. Not by your acts of service, not by works of righteousness that you've done, but by his mercy. And we're going to see him in this way. Let's look at this for just a moment. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. And one of the covenant names of God, one of the Old Testament covenant names of God is Jehovah Jireh. Right? We, know, we know that name, which literally means the Lord who sees or the Lord who provides. Now, the, 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 the number one meaning is the Lord who sees. What that means is that God sees. If he sees your need, then he provides your need. I love this about our God. See, it's not enough for us to know that God can that's a good start. But what good does it do you if you only know that he can? Ah, the fact that he tells us he can is also telling us that he will. If I can, I will. Oh, praise God. Nobody doubts God's ability that if he can. 
But where the rubber meets the road and where the choke point happens is, will he? And my family, he will. He will. Let's look at this. Look, uh, where are we? Genesis. Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Everybody say Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, this is interesting. This is the first time, the first mention of Almighty God right here shows up right here in the life of Abraham. As a Bible studier, and if you are an avid Bible studier, and I highly recommend it, it's important to know some of the rules of Scripture interpretation and understanding the Scriptures. And one of those rules is the law of first mention. It's always good to go to the first place where it started. And this is the first time Almighty God is in the Scriptures. And the word Almighty God means, the Hebrew word is El Shaddai. Everybody say El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And this is what El Shaddai means. Now, we have said through the years El Shaddai means the God of more than enough. And yes, it does mean that. But I want to give you some of the other descriptions or definitions of El Shaddai. One, mighty to nourish, sustain, and supply. God is one who is mighty to nourish, sustain, and supply. That's good to know, isn't it? But watch this. Here's another one. One who abundantly blesses us with all manner of blessings. Well, that kind of covers it all, doesn't it? One who abundantly blesses us with all manner of blessings. It sounds like there's a lot that you can ask for. There's a lot to experience. There's a lot to receive from him when he's able to do, when he is the one who abundantly blesses with all manner of blessings. And this is how God shows himself to Abram here. Now imagine this. He says to him, I am El Shaddai. It's the first time Abram had even heard this name. God had, uh, had spoken to him many times before, starting in chapter 12. Get up and get out of your father's house, and I'll take you to a land that you don't know. In Genesis chapter 15, God appears to him. The word of the Lord appears to him in a vision. And that's where we see where Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And, and that, yeah. that piece right there, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, became the centerpiece for all of Pauline doctrine. He says it several times throughout his, his writings in the epistles. Yeah. Thank you. He believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the same message. It's the same way that you become righteous mm-hmm. is by faith. Thank Believe you. him. And God accounts that as righteousness. Oh, I love that. And he believed God. And in 17, right here, God appears to him in a whole new way with a a whole new name. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I love that. You know what that's saying? That's all one work. Walk before me and be blameless. See, the religious person, the, 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 the legalistic, I won't say the word. Well, the, the, the Spanish is bastardo. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. They make a separation there. You walk before him and you don't screw up. You told the line. That's not what that says. What this is saying is when you walk before me, what does it mean to walk before me? He already taught Abraham what it means to walk before him, to believe him. We walk by faith. And that is how we are accounted righteous. 
Woo. Yeah. So here, here what it's saying. The result is blamelessness. That's what he's saying. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk by faith. Believe God and be blameless. Woo. Hallelujah. As Colossians says that now he sees us. Oh, I love this. That we are in his sight. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. In his sight. Those who believe on him. This is how God sees you. Holy, blameless, and above reproach. My God, Christian, you need to see yourself how God sees you. You need to fully accept the good news, the real news, the real gospel that has come to us. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the best news right there. That's the good news. And I'm not ashamed to preach that gospel. I'm not ashamed to just preach the gospel as it is. Well, you got to tell them they're a sinner. They know they're a sinner. it. They need to hear some good news. You got to make sure. I don't have to make sure of anything. I got to make sure to preach this good news. The gospel is the power of God to save people, not how I, not, not my reasoning and not my commentary on it. I don't have to explain it. I just got to declare it. Woo! You just got to believe this gospel fully. Amen. I love this. The, as Paul said, he said, I'm, I'm afraid for you, Corinthians, that you've, you've moved away from the simplicity that is Christ. That's where the power is. El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Now watch this. Verse 2. And I will, make, I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So God says, this is my name and this is the result of my name in your life. I will multiply you exceedingly. The one who is able, who has the power to bless you with all manner of blessing. Next, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Oh, I love this. What else can we do? What else can we do when the grace of God comes to us this way except fall down and worship him? Because we didn't earn this. He just wanted to give it to us. Next, as for me, God says, behold, my covenant is with you. See, Abraham's not asking for this. God just shows up and says, this is who I am, and this is what I can do. Are you in? And you shall be a father of many nations. My family, he's talking to a 99-year-old man who has one kid with a slave woman. His own wife is barren. She's about 90, and he comes to him at this time. Lord, where were you 70 years ago? <laughs> None of this makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's, you're out in that realm of super abundantly, that super abundant ability that does not consider the natural circumstances. It's not even in the equation. My covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Wow, look at verse 5. No longer shall your name be called Abram. Abram means exalted father. But your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you. Did you see that? He didn't say I will. He says I have made you. I have made you a father of many nations. Uh, <clears throat> well, when did you do that? 
Because you... Because uh, there's no evidence of that in my life. See, when the promise of God comes to you, uh, and, and you're looking at your life, and, and you feel this contradiction. Well, Lord, all I see is contradiction. You're saying that, but this is my reality. You're saying you're the God of abundance, but I, I'm, I'm living way out of the realm of abundance. I got more month than I do money. I got an abundance of month. So how are you going to access this? See, you're not going to really have access to this realm of abundance until you know it to be true for you and you believe it and you get it in your mouth. You get that promise in your mouth. See, God's not going to just throw this on you. He's presenting himself in this way and all he needs you to do is come into this partnership by faith. This partnership with God is in the realm of grace and faith. Grace, grace comes from God. Faith comes from us. By yes. grace, you have been saved through faith. Yes. And for the rest of your life, you're going to walk by faith so that you can continue right. to live in that grace. Right? right? Yes. Through whom also, uh, Romans 5, 2, through whom also, talking about Christ, we have access by faith into this grace yes. in which we right. stand. So the access into grace is by faith. Right. Say this with me. Faith is my pace. Grace is my place. Faith is my pace. Grace is my place. All right? And it's a wonderful partnership of grace and faith. Now, no doubt, grace is much more abundant. <laughs> the emphasis is more on grace than it is faith. But this is how we come into this partnership. This is how we experience the supernatural invading our natural. Amen. The extraordinary coming into our ordinary daily lives. So it's so cool that God shows up to Abraham and says, I am El Shaddai. Imagine Abraham, oh, and I hadn't heard that before. I like the sound of that. And this is what that looks like. I'm going to multiply you exceedingly. I have made you a father of many nations. I'm, going to you, you are, I'm introducing myself to you in a new name. But by the end of this meeting, Abram also got a new name. Abram to Abraham, father of nations. This is the way Paul said it, though, in, in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Look at this. He says, for the promise that he, speaking of Abraham, would be heir of the world. That's what God was saying. Abraham, you're father of the world, of the Jews and also the Gentiles. And all that happens by faith in Christ. Father of the world. This is so far beyond where Abram or Abraham now is living. But you know what? Abraham made a choice right then and there. He made a choice right then and there. I can either continue to live by circumstantial evidence or I can live by faith. I can say the way things have always been or I can call those things that be not as though they were. I like the sound of that. Look verse further, further down in, in 4. Uh, what verse was that? He did not waver. Speaking of Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Imagine how ludicrous this must have sounded when Abraham was walking around that desert, and every time he meets somebody, they say, hello, what's your name? He says, I am father of the world. Really, where are your kids? Well, we ain't started our family yet. 
but we're just about to get started. You know, if he was around today, we'd probably lock him up. We'd definitely give him some pills. That man's talking crazy. I'm father of the world. Father of the world. It, my name used to be father, but now I'm father of the world. <laughs> Lock him up. And the more Abraham said it, every time he had to introduce himself, don't you know at the beginning it was a little awkward. I am... <laughs> father of the world. Really? Where'd you get that name? Uh, God named me. How do you even make sense of that? God named me. God named him. And you know what Abraham did? He humbled himself right there and said, okay, I fully accept your name, Lord. Now, let me just tell you the contrast that happens. Because those outside of the understanding of this God of abundance are going to have a real hard time. Those that are stuck in a religious rut... Those who have misunderstood, misappropriated scriptures, those who don't get it, they're, they're going to look at you and go, who in the world do you think you are? They're going to see somebody that's full of arrogance and pride. But the opposite is actually true. You've humbled yourself to say what God has said. That's what Abraham, I mean, how humiliating is that to go around with no evidence of this promise but declaring it to everybody? You've got to be convinced of something more than just what you see. You've got to be convinced of something more than what people tell you. You've got to be convinced of something that's way down on the inside of you. That keeps a, There's a fire of faith that keeps burning even in the darkest nights of your life. And you show evidence of that fire by the confession that comes out of your mouth. I am Abraham. Don't you know every time he, he would say it, it, it got a little easier. Every time he introduced himself, it got a little easier, a little easier. Listen, whatever trouble it is that you're facing and, 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 and you get the word of God in your mouth, many times when you start speaking that word, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And you check that bank account again? No, not yet. All right, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And you know, sometimes I told the earlier service that sometimes the moment I apply the word of God, the situation actually gets worse. I think, did I say something wrong? Lord, yeah, I, the moment I, I started speaking the word, uh, it got darker. The situation got worse. Yeah. Welcome to the war. Fight the good fight of faith. That's why you need faith. If you didn't need faith, then faith is here to give you the victory. It is the victory. It's how you overcome every situation in your life. Amen. So... You apply the word of God. My family, I want to just remind you, keep saying it. Keep speaking that word. The more you, you speak it, and I mean talk it out loud. Say the word of God. Say the word of God in that night. Say the word of God in that loss. Say the word of God in that lack. Say the word of God in that sickness. Amen. Speak his word and be fully convinced, because that's what Abraham did. He did not waver at the promise of God, but he was strengthened. You see, he was strengthened. This took time. This took time. He was strengthened. It, it, was, it was a kind of a working out, if you will, that faith muscle. He was strengthened in faith. How? Giving glory to God. How was he giving glory to God? Was he going around going, glory to God, glory to God? Well, maybe. I don't think so. I believe he was giving glory to God by simply getting God's words in his mouth. Yeah. Keeping that promise in his mouth. I'm 
choosing to believe God. I am Abraham. God said I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look, verse 21. And whew, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Aren't you glad to know that today? That God is a promise keeper. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. His words will not fail. Amen. He is your all-sufficient sustainer. Whew. And when you come into this knowledge, when you believe this, that he is the one who abundantly blesses you with all manner of blessings, my family, your life can only change. Your life can only increase. Amen. Say this with me. Be it unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. He did not. I'm almost through. I'm almost through. I realize we're out of, getting out of time. But I want to go to one last uh, place. Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. Exodus chapter 3 is where uh, Moses is out on the backside of that desert. He'd been out there 40 years after his run from, the, from Egypt. 40 years he's been out there. He was 40 years old when he fled. Now he's been out there 40 years. He's 80 years old now. He's out herding sheep one day, and he looks and sees this bush out there in the middle of the desert on fire. But then he noticed that that bush was not being consumed by the fire. He thought, what in the world is this? So he said, I'll go now and look. And the Lord spoke to him from that fire and said, Moses, Moses. And this is where he was called to go deliver the children of Israel out of bondage. Here in chapter 6, the Lord is speaking to him again, and he says to Moses, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, or as El Shaddai. But my name, Lord, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. Isn't that interesting? I was not known as Lord to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why did God say that? What is the What's the reason behind him saying this? And oh, and then let me finish with the next verse. Verse 4. I have a, I also established my covenant with them, that is who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. Well, where's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at this time? They're long dead. Hmm. What God started in Abraham, he would complete in the generations to follow Abraham's lineage. That's why you need to walk by faith so that your children and your children's children and your children's children's children can reap the benefits of your faith in God. Because this thing is beyond your lifetime. It exceeds you. Set your children up for a promise manifesting in their lives by taking God at his word. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. And this is why I'm here with you now, Moses. You're going to take him there. you got to get him out of this bondage. He says, I was known to them by God Almighty, as God Almighty, as El Shaddai, but I was not known as Lord. The word for Lord here, the Hebrew word is Yahweh. It's kind of interesting. So I, I went and looked back in Abraham's life to see if Yahweh was anywhere there, and it was. And even Abraham a couple of different times said the words Yahweh when he spoke to the Lord. I thought, well, Lord, what did you mean by that? If, you, if, if he's, they weren't known, you weren't known to them by that name, but yet I hear that he calls you that. My children, I have three of them, and she does too. She, she actually did all the work. 
They've known, they've known me as Daddy. They also know that my name is Eric. The older they've gotten, they feel like it's okay to call me that, and I remind them that it's not. <laughs> but they know me as Dad. They don't really know me as Eric. They know that's my name. Yeah. This was what God is saying here. They didn't identify with me as the one true God, even though that is true. I showed myself to them as the abundant blesser. As the one who would bless them with all manner of blessing. This is how they knew me. Why? How in the world did they get that? By faith. But now Israel is not walking by faith. Israel has been in bondage to Egypt over 400 years because of their, refu because of their uh, uh, refusal to believe God. Yeah. And when the scripture calls them a stiff-necked people, it just means that they're rebellious. So now God's going to have to deal with them in a different way. Rather than just them believing God and, and, and having access to what Abraham, Isaac, yeah. and Jacob now had, now God says, now to protect them, and to continue this legacy going forward, there's going to be a period of time that I'm going to get a law to them. And this law, as much as this was not in the heart of God, don't forget, God did not. It was not his idea to bring the law to the children of Israel. They asked for it. So he granted them their request. Lord, we don't really want to know you. Just give us the to-do or to-do-not list. Okay. That's, that's, that's what you want in this relationship. Okay. You know you're not going to be able to keep these rules. And they couldn't. While he's writing the rules out that they asked for, they're down at the bottom of the mountain worshiping a golden calf, already having other gods before them. But God set up this system to deal with a people who were not in faith, a people whose relationship would simply be by rules. you got to keep these laws, and then there's blessing in that. If you don't, it's going to go real bad for you. Do you know that the children of Israel, I'm almost through, complained? They complained against God on the way out of Egypt, and yet God was merciful. They said things they shouldn't have said, but when that law came, when they complained, they died. While they were under grace, it was a whole different deal. But when that law came and they spoke against God, they spoke, I mean, the fiery serpents would come in and eat them up. The earth would open up and swallow. It was like, what just happened? Yeah, they got what they asked for. Yeah. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. If this is all we get in the world is karma, then what makes Christianity any better than any other religion? All of them are based on karma. As the great C.S. Lewis said, there's one thing that separates Christianity from all of them in one word, grace. Grace. You can't earn it. You have to simply receive it. He said, I was known to them. I was known to them. I was known to them yeah. as El Shaddai. But now the law is coming, and with the law there must be the Lord of the law. 
And so my children are not going to know me that way, even though they could have. But they're going to know me as the lawgiver and not the all-sufficient sustainer. When Dylan was six years, where is my son? Oh, there he is. Stand up, son, right quick, if you would. Come, come up here, actually, for just a second. This is our, this is our baby, who somehow, I don't know how this happened, but he outgrew me by two inches and still growing. Oh, it's more than that? Really? Prove it. Just kidding. When Dylan was, we went on family vacation a few years ago, and we went down to San Antonio, Texas, and, and there they have something like our reunion tower called the Tower of Americas. It's got a revolving restaurant at the top. Dylan's about six years old. I think you're about six at the time. Is that right, Mom? Somewhere around there. And we go up in this restaurant. Now, how many of you have ever eaten in one of those revolving restaurants? All right. And so you know not to expect to pay like McDonald's prices when you go up there. You know that you're going to leave money and blood and all kinds of stuff up there. By the time you get out of there, it's going to be tough. Anyway, but we, we wanted to, our kids to have a fancy restaurant experience, you know, and so we went, and because and, you can see the Alamo from up, up there. It's really cool. It revolves around, you can see the, the old town, San Antonio, as well as all the new stuff. And so we got up there, and, and I told the kids, kids, order whatever you want. <laughs> forgetting, forgetting that at this time in this young man's life, at six years old, he was on the biggest steak kick. He always wanted steak. That's all he wanted. Steak. Steak. You can go see. Sit down. I love you, boy. Thank you. <laughs> steak. Steak. And, and, and as soon as I said it, he says, steak. And then Heather looks at me like, because then looked at the menu and $35. Oh, boy. To feed a six-year-old. Why can't you be normal? Order mac and cheese or chicken nuggets. But I did it, because I said, whatever you want, you can have. Listen to me, your heavenly Father is offering you so much more than probably what you're asking. And he comes to you and says, what do you want? He who spared not. Gold star. (laughs) He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Romans 8, 32. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? In a nutshell, that verse says, if he'll give you Jesus, he'll give you anything. Oh, don't don't be limited by religious, menial prayers. Whatever big prayers you can pray, he'll even exceed that. Don't be afraid to ask your father. Don't forget... He's not your employer. He is your father. What he has is yours. Well, that was for Abraham, Pastor Eric. How does that relate to me? Well, Galatians 3.29 says, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. In other words, what Abraham gets, so do you. All right. You've been given a blank check today. Huh? What do you want? Don't be afraid to ask that. 
You have, you have to lay aside some, some, some funky things that you've been taught. You have to get human reasoning out of the way and just let faith rise and take God at his word so that you can have his experience. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have come to us in this way. Thank you that you have presented yourself to us as our all-sufficient sustainer. Thank you that you have presented yourself to us as the one who has the power to bless us beyond all that we could ask or think. To bless us with all manner of blessings. Lord, help us to be bold enough, confident enough, brave enough, believing enough to declare it so. To call those things that be not as though they are. So that God, not for stuff. No, no, no. That's not the point. That's part of the blessing. But the reason is so that you be glorified. You receive the glory. Thank you. Let it be to me according to your word. Bless your people according to your word. El Shaddai. Manifest who you are in their lives. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Sing that faith. Sing that. relationship with him you don't have the assurance of heaven after this life is over you can leave here today fully assured and that assurance comes through faith in Jesus Christ died for your sins he was buried and he rose again the third day and whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life and let me say to you as it was told throughout the scriptures, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and you and all your house shall be saved. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Before we leave out of here, if you're here today and you need healing in your body, I want you to just raise your hand where you are. You need healing in your body of any kind, any kind, whatever you might be dealing with. Or maybe you're here and you know someone. You want to stand in for them, family member, friend, coworker. Just raise your hand as well. We're going to agree for them as well in Jesus' name. Father, thank you right now. You see these hands. You see these needs. Every hand represents a need for healing. And God, you proved your stance on that once for all. When he, Jesus, surely he has borne our sickness and disease and calamity and carried our pains. He has done it. Why? So that we don't have to. And by his stripes, we are healed. So we declare that word. You sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. So we send forth that word of healing right now. And say, deliver them from their destructions. Deliver them from their sickness. Deliver them from their pains. Deliver them from their disease in Jesus' name. We thank you right now. You're a very present help in times of trouble. And Lord, it is their covenant right. Healing is the children's bread. And I thank you, Lord, that you give it freely to these who have need of it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.